0: Hello and welcome to The Good Robot Andy's Season 6, Episode
1: 10. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. This is not a movie podcast. Okay, what kind of podcast is it? This is a tech podcast. In fact, not just a tech podcast, we've got a guest. guest? We've got an actual guest on today's podcast. A guest by the name of Fran Pontempo, (laughs) who is an author... Um, she is a uh, magazine editor of the ACCU magazine. The Overload is, magazine, specifically. Oh, uh, thank you. The Overload magazine. See, I should have, j- I should have written this down. Yeah. Um, and she's here them. to talk about uh, machine learning and AI. That's uh, right. Because uh, we, had a, we had a poll on Twitter quite some time ago now. I think maybe last year when we were doing the um, the horror movie countdown. Yeah. Uh, we had a poll on Twitter to say what do you really want to hear about, and one person said, "I'd like to learn about AI." <laughs> that that <laughs> yeah, sounds like a definitive is. vote to me. That's completely yeah. Yeah. clear. So now what it's people want. <laughs> yeah. now it's September. I thought last week. I thought uh, we should really do that thing about AI that somebody asked
0: for last year. Yeah, someone asked about it, and given that uh, at, at a maximum we have one listener, uh, <laughs> it sounds like it, that was our listener. So. Uh... When yeah. the when the person asks, the person gets. So, so I
1: was I was very excited when Andy said that we've got an actual person, we've got an, an, an actual human person other than us to, to witter on <laughs> yeah. about something.
0: Normally, normally in a tech episode, you have to listen to me um, having done five minutes of research on Wikipedia talking about what we're talking about, but not today. <laughs> Today we've got Good Fran, today. who's done at least five minutes of research on Wikipedia. I I yeah. might have yes. done
2: five minutes of research on Wikipedia at least twice, so. <laughs> oh,
1: okay. Well, that's more than I do for most films that I talk about. So. Um, yeah. Well, we're it. in your hands, I think, so Andy. Um, I've got I questions. Think I should.
0: Ha- I think I should hand over to you for questions. Cool. Okay. So we've got questions. Yeah. Um, so, Fran, do you, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself before we start. Um, we we heard something some of your credentials mentioned. What are you interested in?
2: Well, AI is an interesting thing. I've en- I've ended up developing an interest in AI, two pronged approach. My undergraduate degree was in maths and philosophy. Wow! So at that point, instead of doing like mechanics and loads of applied maths and useful things, I was doing nudged into the theoretical foundations of mathematics. We should ask questions like, could computers automatically prove any maths theorem? (laughs) Can you prove all maths theorems? Right. Can you prove something that's not correct? And things like Gödel's incompleteness theorem that people might have come across, which is kind of asking the question of, to my mind, could you automatically do all of mathematics or not? And Mm -hmm. I think the answer to that is no, because you can't have it complete, get everything Mm -hmm. proved and consistent, i.e. end up not having something that turns out to be true and false simultaneously. So at that Which point, is inconvenient. Exactly. At that point, you start going, oh, so what is possible automatically and what isn't? So that started nudging the edges of what could you theoretically do with a machine, or even just manually thinking through what are the boundaries of, well, that's quite an amorphous <laughs> idea, a maths theorem, but it then mm-hmm. starts spewing into some other things my philosophy tutor was working with the computing department and they were researching the deep blue chess computer at the time and oh, he was a bit of a chess nut so he spent some time being a a, a testee and playing against some of the earlier versions of the computer so this was always nudging near things that fall under the AI bracket see, so that's one okay. prong other prong, uh-huh. sci-fi books and movies Mm-hmm. Star Trek, I mean, in anything like that. And then more edgy things like William Gibson and, you know. So, there we go.
0: I had no idea you were you were pushing the boundaries of the theory of what cognition is in your uh, quest for artificial intelligence. That's really interesting background.
2: I, I think historically, a lot of this comes from, like, what... Where, before people had even built computers, Turing, Alan Turing is wondering, what does thinking mean? Can I avoid defining thinking? What does sentience mean? Ah, oh, lots of stuff, yes. <laughs> cool.
0: Right, well, we won't talk about any of that. Good. Instead, right. I, I, I'll, <laughs> I'll ask you my first question, which is, uh, what is artificial intelligence?
2: Ah, well, opinions are divided, you see. Uh, it's a catch-all phrase that John McCarthy slipped into a conference proposal back in 50, 1956, don't know, a, a while back. It, he, I think that you can trace some of the things he was thinking to some of the things I mentioned Turing was talking about. Mm-hmm. Turing used the phrase um, computing machinery. So mm-hmm. he was talking about what you could build with computers and what they could do, but it got coined I think as a buzzword that might catch on for someone trying to get a a, go talk at a conference and get some funding from somewhere, and it's Mm -hmm. kind of stuck. What he meant by it wasn't it's not 100% clear to me at the time it's been a long Mm -hmm. while since I've read the paper and the conference proceedings but it's still asking the same sort of questions what can you do with machines Mm -hmm. can you make machines do intelligent tasks rather than just having a robot that does one dedicated task could you do something a bit more general purpose would machines start to think if we build a brain will it automatically start thinking these kind of mm-hmm. questions.
0: Mm-hmm. Because we have to know what an intelligent thing is to be able to talk about whether we have ah, artificial intelligence.
2: Exactly. Uh, but I don't think anyone can define that properly. Turing talks about thinking. And is the mm-hmm. machine actually thinking? And there are kind of two camps on the whole AI thing. There's a... If I build a brain, maybe it'll start automatically thinking. Uh, and We're talking there about building something physical. Or possibly if mm-hmm. I build a robot... Mm -hmm. that can then move around in space. It can have its own separate life. So there's the people who want to do hardware, build machines that then Mm -hmm. somehow are alive. And then there are other people that are more... Maybe I can just build a computer program and it'll do some things. It might not be thinking, but it might appear to be intelligent. It might be able to solve problems. So you Mm -hmm. kind of get hard AI and a soft AI thing going on. Some people are trying to just create... A body, like Frankenstein's monster, that then comes alive and has a life of its own. And other people are taking different approaches, not trying to build a whole living being that's made out of metal that takes over the world. Allowing there to be a ghost in the machine that maybe Mm -hmm. takes over the world in a different way. So there's no one definition of it.
0: So we used to think that uh, being able to play chess was intelligent.
2: Well, yes. Have we
0: changed our minds?
2: I don't know. I mean, chess to a an extent, you can get away by memorising some things, learning by rote how to do a few things, and beat a few people. Oh, see, then we need to ta- start talking about learning, and how do you know you've learnt something? Mm-hmm. How do you know if someone else has learnt something? Because someone can learn to play chess by just memorising some moves. Is that actually playing chess, or is it that? Just going through the moves. Oh, I don't yeah.
0: know. <laughs> it's a difficult question, isn't it? Because it's the kind before of thing we, where. Go on.
1: Before we move on, um, I just want some background information on John McCarthy. Oh yeah. Just been looking. You've uh, been googling up about him. So yes, I have. Hey. Yeah. So in, in in 1979, he wrote an article ascribing mental qualities to machines, and in it, he wrote, "Machines as simple as thermostats can be said to have beliefs, and having beliefs seems to be a characteristic or." Of most machines capable of problem solving performance. There we go. And in 1980, the philosopher John Searle responded with his famous Chinese room, room argument.
2: Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, disagreeing with McCarthy and taking the stance that machines cannot have belief simply because they are not conscious.
2: Right. He
1: argued that machines lack understanding
2: or intentionality. Have you come across the Chinese room argument before? I'm just reading about it. I you. can give we'll you give an give executive summary whilst you read it. Yeah. Suppose, yeah. do you speak Chinese? No. Can, can you read and write okay, what, Chinese? No. Okay. All right. Well, so then it's I'm irrelevant gonna, to you. I'm going to, no, no, it's exactly relevant. <laughs> you are the right man for the job. We're Excellent. going to shut you in a room and there's going to be a little hatch and someone will pass in a message written in Chinese and you need to write down the answer to the question they're asking in Chinese. In the room is a flow diagram with a set of instructions. Are you f- exactly follow the instructions you're given, write down the answer and pass it back. The person outside the room's Chinese. If you exactly follow the instructions and they understand the answer you've given them and it correctly answers the question, do they think you can speak Chinese? Um. Can you speak Chinese? Oh, no. that's a
0: harder question.
2: <laughs> that, that's the point. If you're just following the instructions or the algorithm and appear to be communicating seamlessly in Chinese with someone, hmm. well, so. well okay, in so fact, you I've are communicating with them, hmm. but you don't know what hmm. you're doing or what's going on or what it all means. But then again, no. do we ever know what's going on and what it all means? Are we always I gem- blagging I, gem-
1: it? I generally don't from day to day. Well, so there we th- go. Perhaps yeah. you're a machine. Yeah. Maybe I am a machine. Or maybe but a very poorly designed one. Or
2: maybe humans <laughs> don't know what's going on, the machines do know what's going on. I mean yeah. But yeah, the point about the Chinese room is you just follow it you're just following instructions. Mind, yes, okay. Mindlessly.
1: So but, a thermostat follows instructions.
2: Yes. There's a whole thing yeah. about they called um, earlier thermostats the governor and some at the time it was being yeah. regarded as like AI, the future. And people talk about robots being the future, and if you look back to the 60s or so, there were going to be robots doing all the housework for you. We've just moved house. We've got a larger house than we used to have. My husband usually does the vacuum cleaning, so he's bought a robot vacuum cleaner. So here we are. We're in the future. I'm so jealous. We have AI cleaning our, our carpets for us. But it's just following an algorithm. Mm. And yet, you watch it going round and you... it's like a slightly demented pet with a life of its own. I mean, has it got sentience? I don't know.
0: Yeah, the, the Chinese room argument is... Uh, it feels like... Um, it's, it's someone trying to justify a kind of gut feeling that yeah. a computer could never be intelligent. Um, as if there's some kind of magic... In human brains, that yeah. is what makes us conscious. Um, whereas, you know, it seems reasonably clear that our brains are made out of, you know, physical things, and that's where our behaviour comes from.
2: Wet, yeah. wetware, as they say. Mm-hmm. So you've got the idea <laughs> yes. of hardware being the actual computers made out of metal, whereas we're made out of squidgier bits, but still electricity moving around a brain, isn't it? Mm. So, oh, mm. and that's, so
1: also some. Some, some background on the, uh, the phrase ghost in the machine. Uh-huh. Oh. Um, it's from British philosopher Gilbert Ryle's description of Rene Descartes' mind body dualism. Yes. Right, right, right. In which right, right. he introduced the phrase in the concept of the mind to highlight the view of Des- Descartes and others that mental and physical activity occur simultaneously but separately. Yeah.
2: yeah. So having studied yeah. philosophy, one read some Rene Descartes. He's the cogito ergo sum. Geezer, I think. Therefore, I am. Well, there we go. If machines could think, does that prove they exist? He got in a bit of a muddle by wondering whether (laughs) you know something even exists or not, which is more fundamental if it's thinking or intelligent or not. But he ended up thinking that your body does body things, Mm. and your brain is kind of where your soul is and where your thinking is. And that's supernatural, right? Yeah. But i i i think uh, if we're, if you're allowed me to go slightly in, down a theology route at this point, do it, do it. <laughs> I i think a lot of the history of say Christianity and other monotheistic religions doesn't have the body and the soul and the thinking bit separately. There are views in Christianity that talk about a resurrection of the dead and heaven, you having a body. And don't see you as a disembodied soul that survives after death. That comes from different traditions. So yeah, Rene Descartes, right? yeah, and more Eastern things. And I think Rene Descartes have possibly been reading, getting some influence from some other viewpoints there. But yeah, and yet since then, loads of people do go. Yeah, well, you've got a body, and your soul's a separate thing. And the problem there was, well, how do they? what well, How does one influence the other? How do they connect. I personally think it's much easier to see you as being physical and that doesn't deny the spiritual side of things but then that does ask questions like, well if you could build a brain, would it start thinking? But yeah. And would it it have a soul?
0: Would it be spiritual? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well maybe the soul is just like who you are, how you behave, if you're kind to people, what you do, what you create your interactions the shadow you leave behind what people write on your gravestone. Let's be cheerful about this. But yeah, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the um, ghost in the machines, the idea there. And then there's other ideas about is there a god? Is there, is that? god in the machine somehow running things is all of creation right. a machine that ticks over and then you end up with exciting computer games like deus ex where the ghost comes out of the machine and <laughs> god has left the machine so lots of things to play around with there and think about but all that stuff about
0: ghost in the machine makes me think about um my uh, uh when i did my um, artificial life uh Academic work. I I had one lecturer in particular who really liked to go on about this thing about the homunculus,
1: (laughs) which is (laughs) little
0: man. A (laughs) homunculus is a little man who lives in your head and is the kind of the real you. And the point of the example is, it's a stupid example because you have to ask like, what's inside the brain of the homunculus, and Mm -hmm. then what's inside the brain of that, and so on and so on. So it doesn't make sense all the way down. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the the whole point is that um, thinking of yourself as like a a system that has like the real you inside it, it doesn't make any sense.
2: Yeah.
0: you have to understand that the that the you is what we think of as you is the whole of you. Yeah, including your body, mind, but, body,
2: then, and soul, mm, your heart. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, there
0: we go. <laughs> well, this has gone this has gone a completely different direction from where I expected it.
2: <laughs> ah, never plan anything.
0: <laughs> no, no, we have taken the precaution of not planning anything. Good work. <laughs> <laughs> But I do have another question, which uh-huh. is more back to back to topic. Well, actually, no. It's a follow-on question first. Uh-huh. From, so, we we've talked a little bit about what artificial intelligence might have meant uh, when it was first uh, coined. But if I if I see a product advertised now, and it says it you know it uses artificial intelligence or it, or it is artificial intelligence, um, what it what is it really, or is it all lots of different things, or?
2: It, it's a buzzword that no one's defined properly so the marketing standards can't sue anyone, I think. <laughs> I mean, the, it, it's funny. It's been in the last year or two. People have started saying AI where they had been saying machine learning for a bit and things. Mm. And there's been a plague of the Internet of Things going on wherein everything's called smart. Mm, and smart. as I understand it, smart means that, for example, your kettle is connected to the Internet so as you can turn it on. You can't put any water in it from the internet, yet, as far <laughs> Why as I not? know. not? yet. By the same way, of <laughs> robot vacuum cleaner's smart, but it, it's fallen down the stairs a few times and it can't empty itself. So it's, it's kind of smart, not smart. So, and when people say it's got AI inside, it's, it's very hard not to stop. Thinking about a certain advertising slogan, Terry Pratchett saying, until inside, but I've put myself off and we'd have to give you context on like that, that one. <laughs> one. I'll find you the book quote later on. It's, I think it means it's got an algorithm in there that might make a decision and might do more than one thing, which possibly okay, so means it's got more ways to go wrong. I, I don't <laughs> know. Or it might mean that it can spy on you and record everything you do to spot your habits and help you do your shopping and tell you when your fridge is running down and report back to Big Brother exactly what you've been up to and Mm -hmm. predict that you're about to get cancer and up your insurance premiums and (laughs) other ways of making money and saving money. I don't think there's any intelligence in any of the things we've got. Apart from it's the, the kind of calf by that our robot vacuum cleaner's got. Some <laughs> decision making p- capabilities but I don't I know think. if that's intelligent. So
0: you said that you used a word there which was algorithm. You said it might have an algorithm in it. Uh-huh. What does that mean?
2: A uh, list of instructions that it blindly follows. Just like when Andy is doing Chinese translation for us. Right, exactly right, right. that like, like a recipe mm-hmm. get an onion chop it up put it in a frying pan forget what you're doing when it catches fire. throw it in a bin order a pizza <laughs> type thing you know
1: that, that pretty much decide, uh, describes our dinner on saturday night actually
2: i wasn't <laughs> spying on you it's all right
0: <laughs> cool cool so, all right so you you mentioned earlier that um People used to say machine learning. I think people said AI, then they started saying machine learning, yeah. and now they've started saying AI again. But uh, my understanding is that your um, core area of expertise recently is actually in the more specific area of machine learning, yeah. is that right? Yes, that's right. So could right. you tell us what, what, what that is?
2: Uh-huh. Well, see, here's another one where misnomers have occurred. The <laughs> machine learning phrase dates back to nearly as long ago as artificial intelligence. There's a guy called Arthur Samuel who wondered if you could get a machine to learn how to play a game, any game. For example, checkers or drafts is where he started. And you just tell it the rules and go, you've lost, you've lost, you've lost. But set your algorithm up in a bit more free-flowing way than just blind, look-up instructions. Do this, do this, do this. Give it maybe a bit of choice like flip a coin decide what you're going to do just give it some appearance of decision making allow it to explore what happens and then oh if it can play checkers with you then it might be able to play chess with you and then it might be able to play games for you all evening and then you don't have to have any friends i'm not saying he was a <laughs> Billy no mates it's interesting if you read some of what touring was up to as well he was wondering if you could get a computer to play chess with you a lot of AI stuff is involved <laughs> in games. And if mm-hmm. you're into your computer games like Deus Ex and other things like that, they've got AI bots doing things that are doing random choices. so not the blind one, two, three, four steps. A bit more choice and flow in there. So historically, the word machine learning meant... A machine learning how to perform a task without being explicitly programmed is what they say. So not they do this, do that, do the other set of procedures to follow. Some way of encoding, some sort of instructions. You just go, try it out. You're allowed to do this, this and this. You choose. Now you'd mm-hmm. have to talk some serious tech about how you get a computer to choose things. <laughs> Usually pick a random number. And if mm-hmm. it's less than something, go right. If it's more than something, go left. The simplest level of doing things. And then see if it can start solving the problems for you. That way you don't have to work out the exact steps of how to solve the problem. That way so, the computer might be able to solve a problem that you can't work out the steps you need to be able to solve it. So it might be able to do something you can't do.
0: So it tries stuff out and it, it makes random choices. And then in some way it has to... Remember that which choices were good or bad or Yeah,
2: and you need a way of telling it good robot or bad robot to see if it so you need to give it feedback as well. Or right, like right, maybe right. like training a dog, say, so, Yep, good dog, no, bad dog. There needs to be the feedback in there and the iteration where it tries again, tries again, tries again, maybe goes left a bit more one time or right a bit more another time. And it might be able to solve the problem for you. You might not understand how it might not be able to vocalize to you how you could do it yourself or teach you how to do it but the theory was the machine would learn how to do it what i think's tending to happen nowadays when people say machine learning is they're doing a combination of statistical analysis so spotting averages or spotting things that are a long way from usual or normal behavior so possible like people posing a a risk if you're offered a larger amount of money on your credit card or a mortgage. They go, ah, you don't fit our usual demographics, so you can go away computer okay. says no so, so
0: then the learning is it learns what's normal and then it can see something that's not normal is that oh.
2: well I, I would personally argue that's not actually learning anything that's just doing some form of numerical and statistical analysis and what's happened there is the human has looked at the results of an algorithm running and gone "Well, the computer says that's unusual so that's not allowed or computer says that is usual so it is allowed and I'm not sure anyone's learnt anything at that point but maybe (laughs) I'm I'm being somewhat derogatory
0: (laughs) so So is that not is that not true with all machine learning that you're essentially um, just sort of ending up with a like a formula or you know just a function that is you put in a number and it comes out with another number
2: yeah, it quite frequently is like that, but that's not as exciting as being able to play a game with a computer, is it? That's no, not. It? And what that wouldn't would work it for really a game. Right? No. Well, you could make it work, but you'll need some kind of transformation from the space of numbers into pictures on the screen, and no one could do that. Oh, actually, right, right. well, you probably could.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: is it yeah. learning? Has the machine learnt? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we should put that aside, right? Because that's yeah. the same question as intelligence, right?
2: It's... It is, yep, very similar. Cool, so, uh, so you wrote a book, right? I did. What's it called? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Some, it's a very long title. <laughs> it's Along the Lines of Genetic Algorithms and Machine Learning for Programmers. That bit is right. And it's got a subtitle at something like Build Models and Evolve Solutions.
0: Uh-huh. And who's it published by? Come on, we can do the plug now.
2: The Pragmatic Bookshelf, pragprog.com. dot com. Check it out.
0: Awesome. So the reason I bring that up, other than obviously to to give it a plug, <laughs> is um, because you go through different types of machine learning. In there, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But before we talk about that, I I want to ask you what the I want to ask you the story of how you you came up with the idea of writing the book, right? Because it it used to have a slightly funnier title.
2: <laughs> Well, see, I wanted to call it something like code your way out of a paper bag. OK. Because, the, as as we are probably aware, the English phrase of that person can't even punch their way out of a paper bag or similar. That should be quite a straightforward task. And if someone can't do that, then <laughs> where do you even start? I'm After I've been interviewing a candidate for a job in programming, the guy I interviewed with turned to me and said, person couldn't even code their way out of a paper bag and my mind wandered and i thought i don't think i can do that what does that mean can you code your way out of a paper bag how could you prove you could do that wow and at the time i I was itching to practice some of the machine learning things i started looking at at university like genetic algorithms i was itching to play with ant colony optimizations and some swarm algorithms and i thought ah so if you had a paper bag and you had something inside it and its mission was to get outside the bag, then I could see how I could use some genetic algorithms and swarm swarm algorithms and some of these other possibly slightly niche machine learning techniques. So I'd get mm-hmm. some practice and I'd code my way out of a paper bag. <laughs>
0: so it's all just a big sarcastic joke, essentially. Well,
2: no, I'm just... Possibly take things really quite too literally and go what does that mean? Let's find out. I can't help it. Briefly, briefly, oh, yeah. could you tell us what swarm algorithms are? They're, they're an algorithm that so a set of instructions that have a random element so they, they might go left or they might go right. You have several agents. Now they could you could be emulating some birds or some ants or anything nature inspired and it's it's drawing on some of the physics equations of how say birds flock they'll tend to each of them will be going in one specific direction to an extent but they'll be guided what the things around the other birds around them are doing so they tend to all go in the same direction but some will move off a bit The idea is maybe some of them would go off and find some food, but they're all trying to move from one side of the garden to the other, or one side of the planet to the other. So if you're searching for food were a different problem, like find a set of numbers that reduce the cost of manufacturing this car, or find a set of parameters that encourage people to buy more books, or something like that, you could let them all try things out and send some feedback to each other about which places are better. I talked about feedback earlier. and You're saying, good dog, bad dog. This is working, this isn't. And eventually find some parameters, some setup that works, that manages to send you targeted advertising so you buy stuff or (laughs) similar. But it's the idea of just exploring what's possible. There's not time to try everything. So you try a few things, but each of them have got freedom to explore. Do their own thing a bit, but also like pull each other towards the better things a bit.
1: So I was thinking when you were describing birds flocking, I was describing starlings,
2: the yeah, migration of yeah. starlings,
1: um, that kind of um, that kind of thing, yeah. and also the way that fish evade predators. Yes, yeah, well. mm. something
2: I've not played with enough is predator-prey models. But uh, mm. I'm brewing an idea there, having queued up for a long time to get a cheese sandwich or similar, uh, a conference lunch. You always end up with bottlenecks. And I'm convinced I could use a predator prey model of people like trying desperately to get a cheese sandwich and other people trying desperately to get a coffee and some people being more aggressive than others to work out where to put the tables <laughs> so as there's less bottlenecks. But I haven't got round to doing it yet. But that's definitely a predator prey model would work there, I think.
0: Right, right, right. So so just <laughs> carrying on with the uh, the swarm model, so the, you talked about the paper bag. So how does the how does the swarm model work with the paper bag? Are you talking about it's like is this a three D bag and there's oh, coordinates I, I'm, inside I'm it or? I'm
2: not that advanced. I've only done two D
0: paper bags. So it's, so so it's a two D bag and then they got they got coordinates inside. Yep. and it's got a, you got it's a, open at the top.
2: Yep, and you just have some little black dots that just kind of move around a bit and then maybe want. Well, if you want them to go out the top, then you go. The higher up you are, the better. And then they tell their mates, oh, actually, come this way. It's better this way. And they they move around a bit at random to begin with. And depending mm. on how fast you make them move, they maybe all just form into a line and go flying out, or they more more dispersed and gradually splodge out. And you, well, you don't have to tell them to go up. Perhaps they're allowed out of the sides of the paper bag or the bottom. I don't know. It okay. depends on the feedback you give them. But I right, tend right. to go so to go the, up. That that works. So
0: you kind of say you say to these dots, you're doing quite well, or you're not doing so well, and then they can t- communicate to each other. Oh, I'm doing a bit better than you, so follow me. Is that that kind of? Yeah, thing?
2: I mean, you can do a thing where you have a whole swarm intelligence, so all the dots can talk to each other and decide which dots at the best place so far, mm-hmm. and then they all nudge that way slightly, or some types of swarms and flocking behaviour instead of having the whole swarm. Communicating somehow, and that's another interesting conversation to have. Maybe they just talk to the nearest ones, the, say the ones five of them that are nearby. So then you'll you'll get different shapes moving around on your computer screen, simulating different kinds of animals moving in different ways. Cool. And I
0: think in, like your book has actual code, right? So if, if people want to write this programme, they can use your book to learn how? Is they that right?
2: can, and the code is available on the Pragmatic Bookshelf website. In fact, Amazing. you could download the code without buying the book, but it might make more sense <laughs> if you buy the book. It would. It would.
1: And for listener to to know what the book is called, it is called Genetic Algorithms and Machine Learning... For programmers, open bracket, pragmatic programmers, close bracket.
0: Subtitle, Code Your Way Out of a Paper Bag. Wow, yes, yes
2: it, it could be. I I defaced <laughs> one for a friend called Gail Ollis. She gave me a Sharpie and made me scrub out the title and put Code Your Way Out of a Paper Bag on it. So <laughs> if you can find me, I can find a pen deface your own copy for you if you'd like.
0: Oh, that'd be awesome. Um... And you've also there's also some talks by you on, um, on the on YouTube right of talking yeah. about some of this stuff.
2: Yeah, so you you can see the blobs move without having to actually get the code and run it yourself. So yeah, <laughs> I, I've taught I talked about an ant colony optimization years ago. So that instead of things swarming and. And if you watch ants, they tend to follow each other backwards and forwards. Well, that's an obvious thing to use to code your way out of a paper bag. Ants <laughs> start at the bottom, and they move round, and they do long, stupid paths to get out, and then they go home. And eventually, they go. Oh, hang on! I could just go straight up, straight down. You can watch them wandering around, and eventually, they go. They learn to go straight <laughs> up. So that that one's there. And is that in the book? Yes, that's in, That's uh, in the book. I've used. Okay, so we've
0: done we've done two. We've done the swarm and the ant ones. What are, What other ones? Because I want I basically want you to give us a summary of like all the all the most interesting types of machine learning.
2: So, so I'm really into genetic algorithms. So I don't okay. I don't know why they work, but and sometimes they don't. The one I've used. <laughs> well, there's a couple of examples. The first one was imagine you've got a cannon in the bottom of a paper bag. I mean, mm-hmm. it could happen if you. <laughs> imagine and you fire tiny, tiny little cannonballs and maybe they're so tiny they can't actually bust through the side of the paper bag or perhaps they can, it's up to you it's your paper bag, it's your imagination (laughs) can you work out what angles tilt the cannon at and how fast to fire them so as they go out of the paper bag Mm -hmm. so you need to find two numbers angle, speed well velocity because we need some direction going on here well, yes, you could work out the maths, frankly, or you could get the computer to guess and say, no, bad computer, that didn't get out the bag, or yay, that one got out the bag, or, "Oh, that got out of the bag by miles, that was even better. So give it some feedback, and eventually it will tell you a variety of numbers that work for firing the cannonballs out of the paper bag.
0: So what's that got to do with
2: genes? Well, imagine instead of having like 23 crow zones or however many it is for whether you're a banana or a human or an AI or <laughs> whatever, you just got two. Yeah, that's good that
0: you've included the, uh, the bananas that are a key part of our listenership in, in that.
2: Well, uh, are in, we like 75% <laughs> the same DNA as bananas or something? Yeah. It goes to show you that yeah, we're, we're extremely inclusive. Good. Extremely. Yes. Very good. Quite right. Too. We take
0: we take all the listeners we can find. <laughs> so, sorry, do. No, get so,
2: actually were, so we're trying to find two two numbers here. So we have got this thing that's got like two chromosomes. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And well, suppose we just randomly make loads of pairs of numbers. So those could be like loads of individuals. And then we decide which two are better. Don't have to pick the best ones, don't have to be completely exclusive which should possibly be slightly exclusive maybe we're simulating the idea of um animals breeding so the ones that are more attractive in some way shape or form end up breeding now in our case we've got two numbers in each so you could make a new one by taking one number from one and the other number from the other which is like the strands of dna from a two parents in sexual reproduction. Okay, so this
0: is like evolution?
2: Yeah. Well, you've got a new one at that point and the, the thing that makes it like evolution is cosmic rays hit the genes or something and things change randomly. I okay. said randomly before. So maybe one of the numbers changes slightly and then you go, ooh, that's even better. It, it's some kind of mutant, but it's got special superpowers now, so it can survive better, and now that one's more attractive. So as things get better, they tend to breed more and more like that. But you don't want everything to be identical, because then you end up with inbreeding, and that can go wrong. And you want to keep a bit of variety, so you keep exploring all the possible things. If you haven't got time to explore everything, that's the point. If you could try all the numbers, you might as well do that. It just gives you a chance to explore maybe a bit more than you would have done if you'd done some mathematics and gone, well, that's approximately in that direction, that'll do. You might miss an interesting corner. So gives you some so in exploration. Your, in your
0: example with the canon, how would you decide what was a good pair of numbers?
2: Well, I'm in charge and it's my imagination, so I decided that if I... If it went over the right hand side or the left hand side of the bag, I'll just see how high up it was. So I just look at the y coordinate when it's at the edge of the bag. You could just let it go over the right hand side of the bag. So the left hand side fails or vice versa or.
0: Okay, so you were just saying if it got, if it went high up. And it was, at, it went outside, went out the side of the bag. Then it's good.
2: Yeah, I see. I did it wrong to begin with. I thought, well, I, I can't be bothered with that. That involves loads of numbers. <laughs> I can just go pass or fail. That'd be much easier. Right, right, right. But the trouble with that—it's so just
0: some good, some are good and some are bad, and that's it.
2: Yeah. The trouble right, with right. that was that several times, all of them were bad. Right. But of the bad ones, some of them had got really close. Right. But they were like all oh, fails, so I'll just try something else random again. So it was it was forgetting, it wasn't learning. And if something fails but gets quite close, you might want to not be discouraging and go rubbish, try again. You go actually, no, that that's that's close. All right, oh, yeah, all right, go on then. So it was better having a scale rather than just going good bad. There might be a lesson in there about learning and teaching
0: who knows you're sort of coaxing coaxing these cannons into compliance yeah it it works
1: better I think um, I think there is I think in terms of uh, I've got a movie analogy coming up excellent so so you know the way that movies used to be shot and indeed are still significantly shot on film you keep everything so you shoot everything and then but people like David Fincher shoot digitally and he sometimes says no delete that take so it's gone,
2: right? Uh, and
1: you can never go back to the cutting room and say, "Actually, I really wanted that tape now." Yeah, but I can't have it. So yeah, there we go. There's my movie analogy. Yeah, for sure. yeah, right.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, there's another question in there about um, surveillance and GDPR and all these smart things collecting all the data because they might mm. need it at some point. And then yeah, that's a different discussion about Big Brother and all the rest. But a lot of companies are saving data on everything you've ever done. And you're like, Hmm. yeah, do you save it all? Why are you saving it all? Are you sure? Perhaps you do need it later. I don't know. I don't know. I have only questions, no answers. Yeah.
0: So things like we've been talking about, um, these different machine learning techniques... Are actually used for some of this surveillance stuff, right? Like, so facial recognition, that would be done using something like this stuff, is that right?
2: Yeah, I'm, I don't know the most up to date gory details of how the um, facial recognition is working. A lot of those are using neural networks, which has historically stemmed from trying to emulate a brain on a computer. So what's a neural network? A neural network is well, I think it's multiplying and adding up, but that's not very helpful. <laughs> you you send in some inputs. So it, it could be the color of every single pixel in a picture. So mm-hmm. then you but then you've got a large amount of pixels going on. That's all right. Send those in as numbers encoded up as red, green, blue or however you want to encode your numbers. And then really, seriously, inside you go well, I might add those two together and multiply that one by seven and add that to that one and then maybe I might take the tangent or the sine of it or one over e to the power of it send it through some function that comes out of another number and then I'll add two of those up and then I'll add three more of those up and then I might multiply that one by seven and eventually out the end you get an answer that says cat or dog or Mm -hmm. however you want to label things and then you give the computer the task of, well, I just pick numbers out of the air like seven and so on. The computer will then try and nudge the numbers left a bit or right a bit. So the multiplying and adding up feeds through, feeds forward through all these different steps in the process and spits out at the end, cat. And you go, no, bad brain, it's a dog. <laughs> and he goes, all right, I'll try again. I'll make it 6.5. you go, yes, excellent. You got it right that time you train it and it stores away the numbers that kind of fitted as many of your cat and dog pictures or your Andy, Andy and Fran walking around King's Cross images and then it knows what's going on and they do get, particularly for the cat and dog spot the difference they get very, very good accuracy but it Mm -hmm. is just multiplying and adding up, and and some non-linear functions in there like a bit (laughs) of trigonometry or you know so yes. I've got a
1: question about the, the good dog, bad dog um, <laughs> idea. Uh, and that is that, you know, you give it data to analyse mm-hmm. and you tell it what's good and bad.
2: That's called the training phase in the lingo.
1: Okay, the training phase. Yeah. Um, and then when it, when it comes out of the training phase, presumably you give it more live data and uh, it continues to produce stuff that you're interested in. Is it possible that uh, the data changes but it doesn't see differences because it's still going on the rules that you gave it originally
2: absolutely yeah i mean the the traditional ones just learn once and the numbers are set there are other things that can run in what they what well, the various words for this but it tends to be online training mode where it can adapt as things change it depends what you're doing so i mean it's, it gets used this kind of stuff gets used for trading algorithms so something will be deciding whether to buy or sell instead of cat or dog and at that point well do you want it to change and start investing more money or do you want it to say yeah, I think the input data's kind of different to what you trained me on. Uh, you might like to turn me off, or we might need to have a little <laughs> chat about this.
0: So, yeah, <laughs> please of, turn me of off. Of
2: course the world <laughs> changes. So, yeah. yeah. Now, could the AI still recognize you if it if you gave the AI a picture of you when you were born, would it still recognize you if you were 90 or so? Oh. No. I don't think so. Tonight. Well, you see there's some um, Evidence there where they've tried pictures of people along quite an age range, possibly not 90 years, but maybe in much narrower, and it can. And that's spooky. That is spooky. And yeah. there was a thing, was it on Facebook recently, where you could play around with what you might look like in 20 or 30 years' time? Yes. And I suspect, right. though I've not checked this, it's, it was playing with similar state-of-the-art neural ne- technology deep learning multiplying adding up lots of it <laughs>
0: And there's some famous examples with with um like the cat dog thing like there's, there's an example where um they they trained a neural network to recognise whether there was a tank in the photo yes Yes. But it turned out that, that all the photos of tanks had been taken in the morning and the yeah. the ones without tanks had been taken in the afternoon. So actually what it had learned is to recognise mornings.
2: Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it was
0: quite good at recognising mornings and not that interested in whether there was a tank in the picture or not.
2: Well, but that still <laughs> might be quite intelligent. I, I have yes. the impression from from um this is probably William Gibson's sci fi, but it based on true story of training dolphins to put mines on enemy crafts. Which so you didn't have it is a real thing. But they didn't have enemy <laughs> crafts. So they trained the dolphins on their own craft. Oops. You know, and guess what happened next? <laughs> but does that mean the dolphin was being stupid? Or no. does it mean that the tank detection algorithm was being stupid? Or was it being cheeky and doing exactly what it was told, like a naughty child? Oh, maybe that is intelligent. Maybe it isn't. Maybe you ought to be careful what you wish for. I don't know. Mm. I have questions. No answers.
0: This leads leads me on very uh, neatly to my next question, which is um, there's been some stuff in the news recently about bias in in some of this machine learning stuff. Um, And there was a story, I think, about Amazon... Um, using some kind of machine learning i think to do to help them with recruiting and there was bias in that could you explain how that might happen or what um well what that might be
2: suppose about? you got someone who wasn't particularly familiar with say people who program computers and they went into a big office of some large enterprise company and they looked around and you said, so, what can you tell me that makes someone good at programming computers, the ideal candidate to work here? In certain parts of the world, uh, in the last several years, and whether it ever change or not, who knows, you will find almost everyone is white, male, in their 30s to 40s, though this hasn't changed for a while, so some of them are now nudging their 50s. So you go, well, obviously... <laughs> This person's the wrong age, they're the wrong gender, wrong skin colour, so they're going to be rubbish. I mean,
0: if you're going to hire a new person, right, right, right.
2: So, if your if you're training set, if I try and train my AI to spot cats, and I give it a million pictures of cats, and one picture of a dog, well, it could just say cat, 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 cat. cat recognize everything as a cat so it wouldn't it hasn't got enough data on the dog it's biased because you've you've not allowed it enough input to see what's what the same thing happens with people if you live somewhere where that i've been told that the way your brain recognizes faces and also picks up on sounds and learns to speak languages If you're exposed to people speaking lots of different languages and people with lots of different skin colours, skin tones going on, you can spot the differences. If you end up in a place where people only ever speak English to you and they're only white, your bits of your brain go, oh well I don't need to remember all that. We can forget any other things we've been exposed to. I need to concentrate on the subtle differences between white people and zone in on how the English language is spoken and then I think everyone with different skin colour looks approximately the same. I'm from Kent and I can't hear the difference between three and three. They sound (laughs) identical to me. I know I'm supposed to do the mouth movement thing so as they might sound different to other people but I genuinely can't hear the difference because everyone around me said the same and I've lost the ability to (laughs) Disambiguate that because I didn't have unbiased training data when I was young, because I was from Kent. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've got some background on Amazon's um, aborted AI. <laughs> right, right. Um, so it was—they uh, say it was never used in production. Good Right. Yes, very good. Prove it. Um, yeah, and what it did was it uh, it it removed resumes from women.
2: Well, yeah, um, guess why?
1: Yes. Um, it penalised applicants who attended all women's colleges, as well as any resumes that contained the word women's, as might appear in the phrase women's chess club.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, that, all yeah. that's telling Amazon is that they have bias or unbalanced demographic in the people they've currently employed. Yes.
1: And maybe... Okay, so...
2: Yeah, maybe they shouldn't look at what's going on at the moment to decide what to keep doing. And the same goes for automatic prison sentence length. There's some bias in there in terms of racism and bias against poverty because of what's happening at the moment. If you Mm -hmm. tell the machines, this is what we're doing at the moment, do it yourself, oh, guess what? They do. So, yeah, we need a different (laughs) solution there.
0: So you're saying the machines are essentially just copying the bias that's already already exists because all we can ask them to do is all the only data we've got is what's happening now and that is already biased is that is that
2: right yes i think we're telling them to automatically do what we're currently doing and i think that is the wrong thing we should be saying ah you find different ways to play chess or be an ai in a computer game and then i'll learn something from you rather than just automate what we're doing badly at the moment self-driving cars we don't need cars we need transporters <laughs> that would be right, so right, much right. better for the environment totally the wrong problem don't automate what we're doing now imagine
0: <laughs> so i had a really interesting conversation with my friend who's very intelligent um but uh not massively into computers uh-huh. um because he said to me the other day we were talking about the EU, and I was saying that I, I was in favour of a world government. So that, right. right you know, well that's, that's irrelevant. What's relevant is that he responded by saying, yes, that so we should have a world government that's run by an AI.
2: Should we call so it that it climate? would be fair.
0: <laughs> and so his point was that an, an AI would run the world fairly. And it really seems to me, from what you're saying and from what I've heard, that that's We don't know how to make something like that, right? We only know how to make things that seem to be really quite unfair. Is that a fair comment?
2: I think what we are doing at the moment and what we are calling AI at the moment is learning from data about what's going on at the moment. I think if you look back to the beginnings of AI and the beginnings of computing, it was more about exploring wider possibilities and trying to make the world a better place, change things rather than keep them the same. We question whether we're actually doing AI or machine learning earlier on and I think we're missing some tricks I think you could get a computer to solve a problem or discover whether there are different ways of doing things or find out whether it can collaborate rather than automate with different demographics of people in different places in different climates but as soon as you say here's data on the way I do things now go and do exactly the same which is what we're saying most of the time. Yeah. We can make the computer do exactly the same, but we shouldn't be saying do exactly the same. There's a whole better. there's a whole movement of a human in the loop idea where instead of just mm-hmm. training it once and then releasing the machine to take over the world, you give it an opportunity for some feedback. And that's but now we're getting drowned in customer satisfaction surveys. But that's a way of tweaking it and making it better. And there's a whole big question around the ethics of AI and I think if people that are being involved in this are able to send in some feedback and if people are being rejected from jobs from companies and able to give feedback we the machines might spot that they're not hiring any women if, if you allowed it to do more than just automate what we're doing at the moment then the world of possibilities is out there Star Trek may come true and I might get the transporter I'm dreaming of
0: so you, so you haven't given up faith in uh, an AI No, absolutely
2: not Absolutely not. But we need to collaborate with the machines and with each other and think about what we're doing and shift the focus slightly from just automate everything to oh, do more exciting stuff.
0: Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, So cause sometimes when computers are exciting is when they are tools in the hands of people. Yeah. Right? So a good example of where some of this stuff might fit in with that is automatic translation. Yes. Even though it's often terrible, if that empowers us to speak to people... Yeah in a language we don't know that's a pretty amazing tool
2: yeah and then they can help you correct your pronunciation of three and free and other <laughs> such things and, <laughs> and you you might get better and then the translation tool might get a, get better and yeah we can collaborate better help each other help the machines they might start telling us stories they might desire oh, anything could happen yeah sci-fi here we come well
0: this, well, is, this is so not bleak. bleak it's amazing of course
2: <laughs> it could all go wrong, and Skynet could take over the world, and all the self-driving cars could crash. I mean, I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> could all go wrong?
0: Cool. cool. Well, that sounds like a superb place to end. Unless Andy, unless you have another question.
1: I don't what? actually. That was fascinating. I really enjoyed that. Me too. Well, in
0: that case, that just leaves us the little bit at the end where we plug things.
1: Okay. Well Do you want to think, go first? Um, yeah. No, I think I think Fran should go first. Fran, you go first.
2: Did we mention what? I'd written a book? <laughs> <laughs> no, we sure should written talk about it again. <laughs> I've written a book and it'll show you how to build some of the algorithms yourself from scratch. And if you don't want to write the code or use the code, that's fine. I think some of it is enough of an overview to show you how they work. A lot of books out there at the moment that show you how to use the latest AI, machine learning framework to do something. But they'll change and evolve over time. And, yeah, that's all right if you do want to sit down and be an expert in this specific neural network technology. Yeah, get one of those books. Just want an overview of the idea of this left-a-bit, right-a-bit good dog bad dog thing then it'll give you a high level overview or failing that find some of my YouTube talks and just sit with your feet up and watch watch the little black dots moving about <laughs> or read the overload magazine that's online somewhere if you go to accu.org there's a journals section and even if you haven't paid your membership dues you can see overload you can't see the member magazine unless you pay you though. <laughs>
0: Yeah, cool. So we'll um we'll link to um uh, Fran's Twitter and Mastodon um from the show notes and also a bit of YouTube and a link to the, the book. B- uh-huh. But there's a pinned there's a pinned tweet on your Twitter that links to the book as well. Yeah. So that that's a way for people to find you. Cool. Yeah, it's uh, they, yeah, as as Fran was saying, there there's there's books that tell you like how to use this Python library so that you can that use this particular technique. But what what your book does is helps you understand what's actually going on Uh, so if that's what what you're interested in this is that's definitely the book to get excellent you go next
1: I'll go next next. okay so um, I have a podcast feed called Movie Mashup No Camel Case No Caps
0: Uh, which is
1: uh, sort of short uh, non-spoilery reviews and talks about TV and movies um, which are the things that I enjoy uh, the most recent one is all about The Hateful Eight. No, it's not. It's all about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
0: <laughs> it does mention Hateful Eight.
1: It does mention The Hateful Eight. Um, I'm going to record one after this, which is all about It Chapter 2, which I went to see last week.
0: Are you allowed to give us a sneak preview of your opinion?
1: Uh, I really liked it. Yay! Hey. <laughs> yeah, really liked it. It's, uh, it's really great to see big-budget horror with a really good cast, really top-notch visual effects. It's scary. It's moving. It's very Stephen King. It's just what you want from a Stephen King movie, really. Yeah. Cool. Um, that is me.
0: Cool, cool, cool. So yeah. I'm, um, I'm, I'm in the actual production stage of an exciting new podcast that I won't talk about yet.
2: Huh? Mystery. Oh, mystery. It's
0: it is coming. It's coming. But in the meantime, hopefully, I haven't actually done it yet. But I did a, a talk at work about. Um, uh, dependency injection frameworks and why, um, I don't like
2: them. <laughs> oh, you too. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> which is a programming thing, by the way, listener, if you're, if that's lost you. Um, uh, so, uh, I should be making that into a, a YouTube video. I just dropped a pencil. I apologize. Um, I should be making that into a YouTube video. Um, it, it's, it's what, I think it's my best genre of YouTube video is, um, Things where I'm pretending it's not a rant, but actually it's just a blatant.
2: Oh, you felt so strongly, you just threw your pencil (laughs) on the floor. I'm looking forward to
0: this. (laughs) So yeah, it's been very cathartic. Video. (laughs) Good for you. Uh, So that'll be coming. Uh, yeah, and other than that, obviously go to um, artificialworlds.net slash goodrobotandies. If you click on the about page, you can see um, all the stuff that Andy and I waffle on about. We'll, we'll make sure there's plenty of links in the show notes to all of Fran's stuff. Fran, it's been a, an amazing privilege to have you on. It's been so much fun and also incredibly uplifting, Yay, which is the part I good. wasn't expecting. Good. So yeah, good. Thank it's you.
1: I, I was expecting to just talk about how the computers are coming to kill us and take over the world. Only some <laughs> of <them>, that, Steve. <laughs> only some of them are. Actually, that's not what happened.
2: There we go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much. See you next time.
1: Thank you. Bye.